from the creators of Relevant Magazine, it's the Relevant Podcast. That's just the way we come back, back, that's that tap, the draft is on tap, tap, that's bang, boogie, the boom, shall I clock, the dangle, dang, guggy, the dude is top notch, so hang your black hoodie, cause you should not watch, I ain't got the time for rules and dude knots, can you feel that? It's a birth pain, it's an earthquake, nah, it's my first name. It's a week of Friday, September 5th, 2014, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's episode is brought to you by Automatic. Now, let me introduce the cast, and then we got to get back and talk about Automatic. I do, because this is the episode where you let us know how the great experiment went Exactly. Out. So, yeah, okay. here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Coffles. I Literally, Cameron's car has just crashed through the wall. <laughs> On the ones and twos over there are our illustrious <laughs> producer, Chad Michael Snavely. Hello, friends. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And all the way from Chicago, Illinois, deep in book world, author and speaker, Shauna Nequist. Good morning. So, Automatic is a smart driving assistant on your smartphone. And they yes. are sponsoring this week's show. So if you remember, three weeks ago, they sponsored the show and then sent me uh, the device that I plugged into my car and synced up with an app on my phone. And the goal was, it does a lot of things. It uh, gets you help automatically if you're in a serious crash. It diagnoses your engine lights. It helps you remember where you parked. Um, it does a lot of stuff, but the main thing is it helps you drive better and more energy efficiently, you know, using less gas. You can lower your gas cost by a third, they yeah. said. The original name for automatic, a lot of people don't know this, was your dad's back in the car teaching you how to drive again. Yeah. So so I loaded it up <laughs> in the first week. And so the things, you know, it evaluates, it gives you a score for starting at 100. And throughout the week, if you do things that are not good, you know, for your goal of driving more efficiently, it'll it'll ding your score to help you kind of recognize areas to improve on. Okay. So hard braking, hard accelerating, th- you know, driving too fast on the interstate, things like that, it'll knock your score down. And, and right. just for for context, for a, a user who did a listener who didn't hear the original episode where where the grand experiment kicked off, just prior to installing this, you had a couple of critiques about your driving. From from passengers, as I, I have heard yes. from time to time that I am a quote unquote terrible driver. Well, that I quote would... unquote people fear for yeah. their lives just by <laughs> when the passenger door opens, their heart starts racing. So week one, I've had I have three weeks in automatic right now. Okay, and let me tell you what this app has done for me. Okay. Week one, my score was forty eight out of a hundred. Wow, you now, lost a lot of things. <laughs> My son Henry has a has a fifty two. Yeah, okay. Henry. <laughs> so so what it does is it, it breaks down all of your trips during the week, and you get little green checks or or dings for your driving habits, and it tells you exactly on each trip how far you drove and how much your gas cost. The next week, I got a ninety-five. Wow! Wow! And last How much week, did you say? And last week, did you just take a cab everywhere? And last week, <laughs> I did travel. And last week, Uber. I got a hundred. A perfect score. A perfect Man, score. We're really proud of you. And no wrecks and no passengers to critique me. Mm-hmm. Just automatic did. But honestly, I learned and it helped me. <laughs> I feel like I basically already have this, and his name is my brother Todd. Okay. <laughs> I have it in an app because I'm alone and don't have your brother Todd. Bing! 
<laughs> so they have a they have a special offer for relevant podcast listeners. You can go to automatic.com slash relevant. And normally the device and everything is a hundred bucks, um, but no subscription fees or anything. But they're doing twenty percent off and it's just eighty dollars for relevant podcast listeners. Oh, go there's to, not a subscription fee? No subscription fee. That is my least favorite thing. Flat 80, 80 bones. Eighty bones for the device that you plug into your car, the app is free from then on. I like that business model. Yeah. That's I'm glad they did that. And you know, the cool thing is like I put in Chad, you're gonna get a text. If I get into a serious crash, yeah. it can text you up. You're gonna let Chad know. It can, Chad's it, your I, I am alone. <laughs> um, and it'll call nine one one for you. Like automatically. I'm lying there side of the road and my Netflix point. is the and screen what is will cracked. It, say? it would say Cameron Strang just got into a serious crash at this location. And then, you know, would you like us to notify 911? I feel like wow. this is sort of like a her situation shaping up. Like, yeah. like there's a new automatic person in Cameron's life and her name yeah. is automatic. <laughs> you know, I do have plans tonight. I'm driving. I'm taking You're a like, long drive with my new friend, automatic. You're like, boy, Cameron, you got a real spring in your step I haven't seen in a while. Like, things are going pretty well for me. <laughs> it ships in two business days. There's 45 day free return policy if you uh, if you don't if it doesn't work out for you. If you break up, whatever. If you break up, right? Uh, yeah, 80 bucks. Uh, go check it out. Automatic.com. Well, we have a great show uh, in store for you today. Coming up later, we talked to Radio Lab. Yeah. Um, so we're hoping to confuse people in the iTunes store. All right. Here with our <laughs> Radio Lab. Hey, what's this relevant thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Radio Lab is coming up later. They are uh, part of a big piece that Jesse wrote in our new issue of Relevant. And so we will also talk to you about the new issue of Relevant. So that's both coming up later. Um, but okay, up first, you know, this past week was Labor Day. Long, long weekend. Big Did deal. you guys have, have good? Yeah, I burned through three seasons of Breaking Bad. On Did you? Have, have you yeah. already seen Breaking no. Bad? You no. did three Wait. seasons in three days? One through three? I know I did three seasons in two, day, in two you days. Have, you <gasps> hadn't seen Breaking Bad yet, Chad? No. I, it was. It's one of those shows, much like Lost, where I didn't get started right wow. away, and so I decided I'm just going to wait it out, and when it's all done, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch it. You know what's it. funny? But listen, so I've never seen Lost Season either. four mm-hmm. and five, to me, it changes the show. That's what I've heard Season from five everyone. is a masterwork. That's what and, I've heard and, from And everyone. four, the Gus year, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're really, you're caught up. You're, you kind of waited through them trying to figure out what the show is, mm-hmm. and now... The next two, you're not going to burn through in two days. I yeah. mean, it's going to be like you need to just savor what you're about to yeah. go through. Because so, some of them are pretty. The, the, the upcoming two seasons, there are a lot of. There's a lot of intensity too. Yeah. Where I feel like you, you know, like you, you typically binge watch before you go to bed. It's not a great show to do. Yeah. That no, we season four or five because you get all wound up. Right, you know? right, right. It was like you watch it up until about nine o'clock, and then you put an episode of the league on, and then you fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously though, I I'm sorry to get back to this, but how long? How much television is that in two days? How many episodes is that? I mean, it's a lot. <laughs> did, you, did you go outside? Chad, be honest with I, us. We're I, not going to judge you. We're sure. not automatic. Do, do you go outside at all? I took <laughs> I took my dog out twice. And, one, and on Monday, I went out about 2 o'clock for Mellow Mushroom. Hey, I am just because I have a duty to report as a counselor. Like, how's how's Mila and everything? Is she all right? Yeah, she's doing good. She like fed. She, she's fed. She's been watching some of the episodes with us. Well, yeah, I was gonna say it's a great right. thing to watch with a young child. Yeah. I'm gonna need ten minutes uh, in a quiet room <laughs> if you don't mind. I have to call a friend. <laughs> we, did that, we did that same thing when Henry was a newborn with Sopranos, oh, and so it was wow. like our sweet, perfect, darling little child, and I would just. 
hold him and snuggle him while people are getting like murdered and yeah. right yeah, we were like whatever it's no big deal it's just a russian running through the woods like what's the big deal it's you fine just see, like blurry shapes it's yeah. not that, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that, that's just a shovel a funny shovel it's gonna kill that guy but it's just a shovel right <laughs> yeah Vito spata like yeah. yeah Vito spatafor is just friends with the guy that owns the diner they're just hugging <laughs> no big deal so, so cameron did you did you have any uh, uh labor day adventures well, I went to Nashville for Tyler Huckabee's wedding. Huckabee got married. Yeah, Hucka wedding. Oh, awesome. I was there. Uh, he married Liz Riggs. Hello. And uh, I don't know that he's ever told the story here. It was told during the ceremony, so I feel... By, by whom? By the pastor, okay. uh, Darren Whitehead, that the way that they met was through Relevant. Um, she was a writer, and she wrote in a pitch for an article... Tyler looked her up on Facebook, thought she was cute, stalker, and started. Yeah. They started talking and flirting, and I, I, some of the transcript was read. Some of the th- emails that they've said wow. back and forth, and I'm going, that has so many HR violations. <laughs> I was we say, could have gotten multiple, sued. Multiple editorial policy violations. <laughs> multiple uh, were luckily during the course of their courtship. Luckily, it worked out. Did he use the word? Could have real sued quick, us. Can I say this too? Can I throw this out? Any perspective writers out there? Not all of us are creepy stalkers who look you up on Facebook yeah. while we go through your Yeah, page. most of most of everybody here has just been real cool about just just read it and it's real professional, but not Tyler. How many, yeah. how many other writers did he date prior to to becoming engaged to Liz? He had burned he through. Tell me that story the very first time I talked with him about writing for Relevant, and I was like, okay, well, just so we're clear. Yeah, I'm I, I couldn't be happier. So it worked out for them. It so, worked out for so them. So yeah. good for them. Thank God for and, Liz. And she's great. And uh, works for Teach for America. And I will tell you, Tyler has done an abnormal amount of social media ing on his honeymoon. I thought the same thing. I mean, I he's feel like that's true. He's like, oh, Liz and I were having a conversation about whatever. What do you guys think? I'm like, you're writing like a an engaging sort of Facebook post to get people talking, and you're on your honeymoon. But I guess this is what the kids do. Let's make random judgments about their relationship. I can I can tell I you this. Okay, I don't think it's going well. I can tell you this. They're watching a lot of Breaking Bad. A lot of Breaking Bad. Oh. <laughs> They're already pulling in a Chad Labor Day weekend. <laughs> they turned off their automatic. Where did they go? Uh, Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, charming town. How, how else was the ceremony other than Well, the... you know, ceremonies are ceremonies, but I, there's two. Are they? Two... We've sat in a ceremony that's before. True. They're not all equal. That's true. Okay, well. I love ceremonies. Yes. Okay. I feel like Cameron is a cranky person to sit next to at a wedding. Having done this, Eddie, do you feel that? <laughs> I have sat next to him at a wedding. Having done this. Cameron has been... I, like, start crying before anything happens. <laughs> I see the flowers. I think about the enormity of the day. You know, I think it's lovely, and he's like, oh, really? Look at that. No, okay, I'm... Just, here's the deal. You're like, very quiet like, Sitting with the Grinch on Christmas they Eve. They didn't invite that the many people. The Love Grinch. The Love Grinch. <laughs> they didn't invite that many people. So like, I literally travel there by myself and attend and walk in and don't know anybody. Did so you make I a sit toast? off to the side. It's no, I just, didn't make a it's toast. It's just you and your free app. <laughs> Me and automatic no just hanging out. And so, you have your own seat, the automatic. So, you know, I am quiet. I didn't really talk. But then at the... So there's two observations. This is what I was trying to get to. Here we go. One, the groomsmen. The groomsmen were, I'm not lying, dressed in double denim. Oh, my god. Jeans with a chambray shirt and a what? red handkerchief hanging out of the back left pocket. Of course. So he's fully a brand at this point. Yeah. He is just gone So the that's rails. the groomsmen outfit. Okay. Okay. He's wearing a suit. Um, oh, really? Yeah, he wore a suit. 
Yeah, he didn't do anything. Did it have a red bandana? No. He looked looked totally respectable. He looked like a normal human being. (laughs) So he decided he was going to look respectable. Right. And then make his groomsmen. You guys all dress up like like me. Like it was Tyler Halloween. You right. dress like me, I will dress normal. Did they all have their hair <laughs> up in like a bouffant or whatever he does? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was number one. I thought you guys would enjoy that. I Other did. than that, a totally normal wedding. And yeah. uh, Darren Whitehead did a great job. At the reception, I'm not I'm not lying. I didn't know many people there. Not many of us did. Right. So the, those of us who knew each other kind of latched on to each other. Right. You got to have a party buddy. Derek Webb was mine. Okay. Oh, of course. He was there. Okay. And... Then later in the evening, I'm introduced to the publicist, former publicist for Mr. Toby Mack. Now listen. Whoa. Uh oh. Uh oh. What happened? She's the one. She's the one <laughs> who the knew realm. about because of Tyler the relationship. Knew about our discussions about reuniting DC Talk, getting the band back together. And do, she do, said, do, "I've been, do, do, I've been do, meaning to do, talk to you." And I'm do, like, do, "We need to do I'm this." I'm glad I've cornered you at a wedding reception. She <laughs> realizes that I'm serious. When we say we want to right. reunite DC Talk, and we're not like making, she knows we're not messing we're making, around. We're not making fun. This is nostalgic, of course. Absolutely, but it would also be epic. And I likened it to when Outcast was what they did this summer. Just it was like totally, be totally, quiet, Jesse. <laughs> disconnect him. Totally nostalgic. <laughs> Turn off his but internet. But also epic, right? right? Absolutely. Yeah. So then we realized, Derek and I realized that 2017 will be the 25th anniversary for at last. 2017. We know. Okay. So, <laughs> so a lot of things would have to come together, but you know, I'm talking, there should be a documentary, honestly, of like the making of this coming together. I there's, know. I know. Keep going. There should, I'm agreeing with you in a passionate way. There should be way. some sort of recording. And then of course there should be an outcast esque summer live performance. At performances. Lonnie La- Lollapalooza. So <laughs> all of a sudden Derek Webb is getting really excited about this idea. He Derek, loves it. But, but he's Webb? not ironically legitimately excited. He, as, like, like you everybody, is, is nostalgic, but it would also be awesome. Right. So because like, DC Talk was good. Right. So Derek, okay. okay, but late in the evening now, we have decided, I mean, push has to come to shove. Are we going to do this or not? She, you guys are my best friends. She calls <laughs> Toby Mac. He Son of- calls Kevin Mac. Shut your mouth. And I need to stop it. Is this a joke? This actually <laughs> happened. Is this like a relevant podcast bit where at the end of it we all get goofed on? This actually happened. Are, are they on speaker? Please tell me they're on speaker. So the two guys are, have been reached out to and late at night at a wedding reception. That is your update. But it all has to start somewhere. And it has started. Man, this is big. Um, anyway, so that that's that was my Labor Day weekend. Dude. Did you guys have a good Labor Day weekend? I, I speaking of wedding stuff, I got a text message uh, this weekend that uh, I'm pretty excited about. I have been asked by a friend to MC his wedding reception. Oh my god! Next weekend, it, the the guy who was going to do it fell through. Oh, he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't get in town. He had some some family thing. He had to stay home. So anyway. I've been instructed to basically make it like a roast with the people attending. I don't even have to keep it PG-13. I, I may. I probably will. Um, but, uh, I mean, I've already started, you know, brainstorming material. And if people have jokes or wedding-related things, I would like them to send them to me on Twitter because I'm going to put together a pretty massive set list for this thing. I have, I have a, I have a uh, what I think might be an important question. Who exactly in the wedding 
group gave you this permission <laughs> and does does the bride know right well, that's, your... that's my follow-up question right. say this it was certainly not the bride no 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 yeah. she, she yeah. thinks it's just oh yeah jesse's you know a real nice guy introduce just... the couple yeah yeah i mean i know both of them pretty well and she would probably if if she was a part of this decision i would be extreme extremely surprised i'll say this. <laughs> if, if she was part of the decision or if anyone in either of their families knew of the decision, I'd be incredibly surprised. But it, I got the text directly from the groom, and uh, you know I can only I can only take that as an invitation that I've accepted and cannot be revoked at this point. <laughs> I, I feel like you're playing this wrong. An invitation from the groom means <laughs> nothing. nothing. Yeah. No, no, it's I got it. Nothing. It's binding. It's, it's binding. <laughs> Man, I mean. Like I said, at this point, that text message is essentially a legal contract for which they have asked for my services, and it's too late now. You can't, it can't be revoked. I'm taking the microphone. Man. I'm going to want a lot of video footage of this. And also, when you get punched by a bride, I want video footage of that. Can you please at least just turn on your iPhone on record something? I don't know what iPhones do, but I assume I, I they'll record. I will make sure, you know, I've, that's part of my plan is to have a lot of people recording this yeah. uh, uh, because I want to share it with the internet. Um, I think they'll, I think they'll enjoy it, but I'm telling you, nobody's off limits. Grandmothers, bridesmaids, you know, people giving toast, random yeah. family members that I've never met before. It's all fair. <laughs> You're going to be like Michael Scott at the roast. You're just a sweet grandmother. Who's just being rolled in in her oh. wheelchair and they'd been praying she'd make it to the wedding. You're just going to demolish her burned next. <laughs> like I said, this is what I've been asked to do, Eddie, right? Like, it's not like I'm just doing something inappropriate. I'm doing what the record, this is my gift to the groom. All right. Well, listen, moving along, uh, we have, uh, a little update, a little housekeeping, uh, the video stuff we've been talking about. About working on uh, continues to uh, you know evolve. move down the road and evolve. Plans are evolving. Uh, our guest now is probably at the end of September. We'll be ready to release a little something, something in yeah. the YouTube space. Yeah. Um, but we want it to be right when yeah. we're ready to do it, and so we did it. We did a trial. We were talking about it on the yeah. show, and we did a trial run last week. Yeah. And it was cool being able to see each other, but it was also very. I was very aware that. Yeah. Like I could not just talk and see them, and I couldn't keep the things separate. So I would just out of nowhere be like, "Ha ha ha, good one!" And nobody Jesse, knew what I was talking Jesse about. Jesse was making a face at you, yeah. right, right? I was doing a lot of jokes in sign language. So, they're giving uh, me a which month. I normally do. Well, they're giving me a month of but maturing. Now you're them. Yeah. yeah. So so you know because we've been talking about it, some some of the listeners have been you know pontificating what is it going to be? Is it going to be the whole show? Is it going to be this other thing? Yeah. And we haven't given a lot of details yet. But Shannon Trainer posted on the Relevant Podcast uh, Facebook page so a little thought that I think is a, a real concern, folks. Uh, we've been doing the audio show for nine years, and I guess those who have been with us uh, for a while have certain faces in their head when they listen to us. Uh, so Shannon says, now that the vodcast is imminent, and I really hope this term does not stick, by the Me way. Me too. Uh, that the vodcast Didn't you just christen it? It's a lot scrabble. <laughs> I have come across a dilemma, she says. I've never seen what anyone on the podcast looks like, with the exception of Shauna, because my wife was looking at one of her books. Do I keep the mental image of you all based solely on voice, or do I face reality? I'm assuming no pun intended. (laughs) Here are some of my assumptions. Cameron and Chad are strikingly similar, tall, brown blonde hair, probably competitive in sports at some point, but less so now. Differences are that Cameron wears glasses and Chad would win in a fight. (laughs) 
There's There's some to that. There's, that's not uh, that far off. Based on dietary choices and his general outlook on life, I imagine Jesse as a George Costanza with hair, but without glasses and maybe a little taller. That nailed it. <laughs> Joy is your three for three. Joy is just on a bicycle surrounded by feral cats. And Eddie was harder to pin down, but he's definitely the tallest of everyone, brown hair, and would be the cast member who would be the most deadly if cornered. Can I tell you something that's funny? When you look at that, if you switch Jesse and me, she got it right. But it's like, a it's a I'm sorry, if you, if like, like that's, I, yeah. I would be the, the Jesse in the description. Jesse would be me. Tyler, can I tell, can says, I tell you real quick, oh, a real quick observation about these descriptions that my favorite part is? Also, along with just random physical appearance attributes, the ability to engage in hand-to-hand combat is is an important part of her mental imagery of us. <laughs> yes, that's a great <laughs> point. The guy <laughs> talking about his wife. Oh, oh he. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then he says uh, Tyler is basically hipster Elvis. That's what he now, said. Now that's actually one hundred percent. And it says, should I keep these visions alive or see the real version? I don't think you like the real version. I think you'd be sorely disappointed. I'd like that. I'd like the fake version because <laughs> you know he's going to see me. He's going to see me in a couple weeks and be like, oh, I see. Oh, uh, uh, podcast. Oh, podcast. I feel like ruined. the thing that's always tricky is I'm used to seeing like on Facebook or whatever, you see someone's face all the time. So I feel like they're, but height is the thing you can never tell. Right. And for whatever, the way you guys talked about it, I always thought that Jesse was basically a giant. Like, let's say, like, maybe 6'6". Six, six. He's pretty Why? tall. He's normal. I, not think that I, I would Tyler, think I'm about average, yeah. No, you're not average. You're pretty tall, He's man. 6'1". Right. I didn't think that Tyler was tall for whatever reason. So I had, like, in my mind, like, a foot difference He's not, oh, okay. between Tyler and Jesse. And then I met them, and it's, like, not that different. Like, yeah. an inch different, two no, inches different. No, Tyler's probably 5'10", 5'9", and, yeah. and But, but, but not noticeably. Not know. if you met us, you would start off by describing us by our height. Nobody. I literally thought it would be like Tyler is yeah like like, like Jesse's a, a basketball player six yeah. six and wearing gym shorts You're all the mu- time much more similar than I thought <laughs> yeah yeah that's true we're all yeah everybody's a bunch of normal looking dudes yeah just, yeah disappointingly no. normal yeah nothing spectacular yeah and we we've we've all you know grappled uh, for our own lives in numerous hand to hand altercation uh, so 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 make sure you keep that in mind Sean it's probably good though that this kind of implies that the majority of the listeners haven't taken our, our our egging on to go and Google image search you and find the credenza shots and things like that. How tall are you, Shauna? One credenza shot. I'm 5'6". I'm like the most medium everything person. Regular size like lady. Just plain old medium person. size lady. <laughs> just a regular lady. Yeah. So that was a regular dresser you were sitting on is basically what I'm getting at. I never knew, like, was it a tiny little, like, miniature dresser? that like, like a shoebox. Was yeah. it like an armoire? Like was a very it, large armoire? Or was it like a huge one that Gallagher would have used so as a prop just to make you look normal? <laughs> the scale of the dresser really changes everything because if it was a large right. piece of furniture, that means she was. I large. regret some of my choices. Yeah, I don't know if it was years. an Alice in Wonderland kind of situation. <laughs> I but she's will just not a, stand by that one. She's a regular size lady and a regular dresser. Nice to know. Shoot, <laughs> I'm gonna make a note here. Uh, okay, I got that normal size dresser. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, move the show along. That's your video update. So uh, you know, give us a few more weeks, and we're still working it out, and we're figuring out what is the thing we want to do. We have the technology in place and we have some ideas and every time we think we figured it out, 
we either come up with a better idea or we realize that the idea was terrible and we keep evolving this thing. So right. uh, by the end of the month, we'll figure something yeah. out. Our, what, what's our good to terrible ratio right now? <laughs> Just, I'm not talking about the last couple of weeks. I'm talking lifetime, in your opinion, for the podcast. Good to terrible. <laughs> I mean, I considering think- the editing. It's it's seventy thirty. Seventy thirty good to terrible. <laughs> Considering the editing, I mean it's more like fifty fifty, but I mean yeah. that's and actually the editing aspect is one of the things that poses quite a challenge because a ton of the show is edited other than the feedback section last week. Thanks a lot, Chad, by the way. Oh, I didn't yeah, get a chance welcome. to listen to it. I was like, oh no, he did mm-hmm. not. You left in the things that I then said. See, I say things that Chad takes out. Mm-hmm. You didn't take that's them out. That's like code. For me to leave it in. Yeah, that's what it is. And if you email him about it afterwards, like, pretty please, dear sweet Chad, then you know it's Yeah, like I write it on a sticky note, like, make sure you leave in 104 to 108. Here's what I get nervous about. I think the only way to really get something out of the show is to just start screaming obscenities. But then I'm afraid that you're going to go on a coffee break and just forget forget that part. And all of a sudden, like... You know, we got you know, a problem. One time, Eddie, that, you know, it worked for me, seriously, to, to get something out. What? I assembled a, a, a gang of all different types of criminal skills. I had a, a, an excellent driver. Yeah. I had someone that could hack a mainframe. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I had a surveillance expert, and I had to be lowered in on cables yeah. in the middle of the night in Chad's office. He was in the office. He didn't see me. Nope. And I reached in the computer and did the editing, and then we drove away in the van. It was pretty spectacular. It was a pretty spectacular mission. So one one of the things last week that you left in was when I, we were talking about Gary Coleman and Webster and God bless I referred his to the one, the dead one, about the other one, and it was just all sorts of offensive, mm-hmm. and you left it all in, mm-hmm. probably because we stumbled onto Eddie <laughs> has a skill, uh, we learned, to find... <laughs> Like hidden gems and nuggets He's, about people's stories. It, it, is this skill called Googling? Yeah, I did. I found he, a new website called a, Google, and you can literally find pictures of anybody on the podcast. <laughs> we couldn't figure out which Sorry, one was Sean. dead and wasn't, and he I'm figured out number that. one which one was dead and which one wasn't, and what that other one was doing now, and found that yeah. it was quite a fascinating story, which prompted us to say every week you should bring a Where Are They Now segment, and it's time for. Wow, that was a jingle. That hey, was really good. You guys, wow. whatever happened to Dirk Benedict? I don't know who's that. Oh, it's Lieutenant Templeton Peck, from also known as Face Man from the A-Team and later from Battlestar Galactica. Oh. Wait, okay, having never seen either of those shows. You never saw the A-Team? Nah. It was only the greatest show ever of the 80s. Awesome. I'm a huge A-Team fan. I totally knew who that okay. was. Okay, oh. you don't know DC Talk, but you know the A-Team? <laughs> I do. <laughs> I, I don't even think they're in the same ca- category I, culturally. No, I, I don't the either. A-team, the A-Team will be remembered for generations. Can I mean, someone, can no one of you, DC. I know the white-haired old guy, and I know Mr. T. <laughs> but can any of you give Cameron just kind of a who is Face Man and why was he so important? Who's the Cameron of the crew? Who's the <laughs> not, Eddie not of the face crew? Man. Oh, uh, well, Face Man, you know, well, that'd be you. You'd be the Face Man of the crew, I think. No. Don't you think? Don't you think? No, you think? Well, no. I think he might think he was the face man of well, the crew, but like he's the probably... Guy who thinks he's good looking. I think it's one of those shows how everybody thinks they're Carrie. I think everybody thinks they're face man. <laughs> but really, they're always Samantha. <laughs> they're Murdoch. Everybody they're thinks Murdoch. they're Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, you might be. I don't well, know. I, I don't know. I have no context for this. Yeah. Anyhow, well, he's doing how's well. How's he doing? How's, how's Benedict? From the show, when the show went off the oh, air well. in the last, in the 80s, uh, according to wikipedia.org, which is a website, um, he... It's your research <laughs> not a lot. Ha- not a lot happened, but I will say that he did appear in 2007 in the UK version of Celebrity Big Brother, and then in 2010, he uh, made a, uh, he made a little cameo in 
the brand new A-Team. That's what's going on with him. And he can be oh. seen in Tacoma, Washington next week at a Comic-Con convention one day only in November. So that's what's happening with him. <laughs> I, I, I actually I didn't know there was a closing jingle but I thought you know what the heck and I pointed for it and you went for it and there was a closing jingle a yeah, aren't you glad you did can I make a request Eddie for for uh, uh, next time yeah prep it and make it interesting because that's what I realized may have been lacking from this one but I loved that show and I was curious what happened to him and I thought well the people will want to know and I've got a jingle and it's happening Can't, okay here, here's what I want to know because I had this joke back in the day I used to tell people that you guys remember <laughs> Cameron I know you do because there was a subplot that involved the city of Orlando that you guys remember the sitcom coach starring Craig T. Nelson oh, absolutely yeah. sure I used to tell people as a joke like I would go and I'd be like listen I know you've probably heard and I don't want to make a big deal about it but yes my cousin is Boomer from coach now, it turns out the character's name is Dauber. <laughs> but most people had such such a passing memory of the show coach that Boomer worked. They knew who I was referring to. And I would tell them, like I would repeatedly bring it up, but in a way that I was trying to make them... Like I acted like it was a big burden that people would always ask me about him. Like, and I would and I would repeatedly bring it up. Be like, look, I, I just saw him at Thanksgiving. He's doing great. Uh, we're super close. We tossed, we threw the football around. But I'd really like to talk about things about me, not him. I know it's tough having a celebrity as a cousin. Dauber uh, from Coach. Yeah, Dauber from Coach. Done. So, but I have no idea about the actual person. He's, I don't even know Jesse, his real name real? or anything else he's appeared in. He died. Like literally two years ago. Hey, we got to save something for next week. <laughs> All right. Are okay. you serious? Yes. <laughs> no. Who yes. is this? He. Look it up on your Wikipedia search engine. I don't know that I have that loaded. All right. <laughs> All right. It's time for entertainment releases. Music coming out on Tuesday, September 9th. We, we're getting to the fall release season. There's a bunch of stuff coming up. Banks is coming out with Goddess. It's a great album. Mm. Uh, David Bazan, Pedro the Lion. Oh, I like uh, that. And the Passenger String Quartet is coming out with a self-titled uh, project. Uh, Delta Spirit is coming out with Into the Wide. Interpol is still making music with El Pintor. <laughs> Justin Towns Earl is coming out with Single Mothers. Karen O oh is coming out with Crush Song. She's doing a single uh, solo project. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sweet. Uh, Tennis is coming out with Ritual and Repeat. There's a lot of good stuff. Sloan is coming out with Commonwealth. Lecrae, who is featured in the new issue of Relevant, is releasing Anomaly. Here's a clip. Getting down with some Lecrae. So Lecrae's coming out, and also that's really good. Uh, Ryan Adams is coming out with Ryan Adams. Mm. So love so Ryan Adams. So that. good, man. Uh, movie best, releases. Best live show I've ever seen. That guy. Really? Holy smokes! Better than DC really? Talk. Don't even. That can't compare. That's like comparing the Beatles to every other music. No, DC the, Talk the, was the, the greatest. The album Heartbreaker is one of the best albums of the last twenty years. Yeah. Is that a DC Talk album? <laughs> That's Movie release is coming out on Friday, September 12th. That's Dauber from Coaches. You remember that episode? Dauber releases Heartbreaker. Movie releases. Okay, real quick. Jerry Van Dyke, can we all agree, is a comic genius? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He is dead. He is dead. No, no, his brother is. Is Dick Van Dyke dead? Jerry and Dick are dead. I don't know. I don't know if to believe whatever you're saying, and I'm too afraid to laugh. In case they really are dead. Shauna, are you up on any of this? Who's alive no and who's idea. dead? 
I have no idea. Jerry and right. Van Dyke have both <laughs> Sorry, passed away. They were both middle-aged in the 60s. They, they are, both they both died on the same they died on the same day when Halley's comet passed over the last time they both died. They just disappeared. That's true. <laughs> in 1986? <laughs> so weird, right? So weird. Cuz so he was still making Murder she wrote or I don't know, was he making Mad- Matlock? <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Movie releases Friday, September 12th. Um, this- hey, hey, can I say something? We do have a video feed that like we can see in kind of like preparation for it. It's great <laughs> watching Shauna because I always thought, well, she's just quiet and waiting for like, you know, being respectful. She's just shaking her head. <laughs> she's just going. I just she's, like this. she's just like shaking <laughs> no her head. No idea what's going on. Like shaking her head like, what would you be? And why did you ding? And then why are we talking about <laughs> Haley's comment? And what's wrong with the show? And she just- I'm going to I'm gonna have to pull it together now that you can see my face it's really really I'm used to doing a lot of nonverbals, and you can't see them right but now we just can we just know <laughs> now we know how we, where we stand movie releases coming out on friday september 12th the skeleton twins Kristen wig bill Hader, luke wilson i've been down i that. think that looks good yeah. love bill Hader. yeah the disappearance of eleanor rigby uh which is also the jerry van dyke story they just renamed it. Yeah. He wrote Eleanor Rigby for the Beatles. The guy the guy was a national treasure. <laughs> yeah. Picks up the rice at a church where a wedding has been. And also Eleanor coming out, Rigby. Uh, last but not least, uh, we might need to check on trademark issues here. The Drop. The Drop is coming oh. out. Tom Hardy and James Gandolfini. Ooh, Ooh. He's dead. Too soon. That That is true. Theirs is actually called The Drop. All dr- of them were true. Yeah. Except the Dauber one. He's not yeah, dead. He's not dead. Nor do we know the status of any Van Dyke. Dick no, Van Dyke. they're all passed Anyone away. in the Van Dyke family. Both of them? They... Jerry was older than Dick. Yes, Jerry. It's very easy to confirm this. What do you have on that computer? I, I, I just looked it up, and Jerry Van Dyke, Jerry Van Dyke is alive and well at the age of eighty-three. Oh, <laughs> I, well, I typed in Jerry Van Dyke dead, and there's a bunch of people going, "Oh, dead! Hey, dude, there's a website called deadoraliveinfo.com. And and Dick Van Dyke is also alive and well. No, so, he's not. So they're both he alive. Is, he's 88. You know what? Come to think of it, I listened to an extended interview with him on Mark Maron's podcast not that long ago. Yeah, I know. He's great. He's one of my favorite actors and comedians of all time. I knew he was alive. Who? Uh, Dick. I, I thought Jerry both, had passed whole, away. Both of the like, siblings are alive and well. Well, listen, Thanks. if you go to deadoraliveinfo.com and literally you type in a name, it'll come back with a page with a big smiley face and says, <laughs> alive, Jerry Van Dyke. <laughs> <laughs> I think this should be a new segment. People just send us random celebrities, then we talk for 20 minutes, and then realize we could just Google it real quick. <laughs> he's alive. He's 83. He was born in 1931. He played Luther on the TV series Coach and starred in the widely panned series My Mother the Car. Yeah, Jerry Van Dyke, everybody. Wait, My Mother the Car? That was your Jerry. I, I like to think that I have like a pretty extensive knowledge of bad 90s sitcoms, and I have no recollection. I'm going, that. that's probably early 70s. Early, now. early. My yeah. mother, the car. Yeah, I was older. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That'll do it for your entertainment releases, Huck a wedding update, and where are they now? Stay tuned up next. Slices. Listen to Sucre. The song is Young and Free, and it's streaming right now on the drop at relevantmagazine.com. What's uh, Sucre? Stacey King, Stacey Dupree from Isley, married to Darren King, drummer of Mute Math. Sucre. Get Sucre. it back to DC Talk. Keep going. Um, 
Did, did that, you know, the, you another member of the Isley clan married uh, the lead singer from Say Anything. They're, they're just a rock and roll family. All right, it's time for slices. What do you have, Jesse? Uh, well, the, the way that we watch movies in the theater may soon be changing. Uh, I don't know if some of you read that this summer, the Hollywood blockbuster season was like way off. Uh, other than a couple of bright spots, um, like Guardians of the Galaxy, Hollywood lost a lot of money and was down for like 15% year over year, which is a lot when you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, but one theater chain out of South Korea thinks that they have a solution. Uh, the company is called 4DX. And they think that they've developed a way that people will get off the couch, stop doing their weird three-day-long Netflix binges, Chad, and actually go pay money to go to the theater. And they're charging $22 for a ticket, uh, which is like double what you would normally pay. They launched their first theater in L.A. earlier this summer, and the the numbers are in, and it's been a massive hit. It's 4DX out of South Korea, and it's a super-enhanced theater that is like one of those amusement park rides at Disney World where you, you go to blockbusters, like regular movies, not like cheesy uh, you know, runaway rail car you know, made for roller coaster movie theaters. You go to real movies, and you sit in these seats that are basically like these rumble cars that, that go up and down, side to side, and shake – uh, there's lightning, there's rain, there's gunpowder, there's smells, there's water that shoots at you. It's a whole interactive two-and-a-half-hour experience, and it, it outperformed almost every other theater in L.A. and was sold to capacity almost all summer at a high ticket price, and now they're thinking about rolling them out across the country. I thought the reason you go, half the reason you go to a movie Absolutely. is to sit in the back row and make out. And if you're rumbling and twisting and turning, I just would like to say I agreed to you it would before say half the reason. before we got to the end because <laughs> that's a huge part of the reason. Okay, so if you're being jerked and rumbled and pushed and whatever, how are you going to do that? You can't right. like put your arm around I, the girl. Bing. <laughs> I think I, I will say this, Cameron. I think you may be overestimating the 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 reason people that half of Americans go to the movie theater. Oh, okay. I feel like maybe in the 50s or something. Oh. You know, where it was like impossible to be alone with this. Well, yeah, there was an episode of Seinfeld. They went to Schindler's List. Yeah. Just have a little alone time. Yeah. Well, I think Jerry's parents were staying at his apartment in that episode. Right, right, exactly. You know, but but I think social norms have changed. And I've been making a judgment about the moral landscape and promiscuity in our culture. I don't I'm know, just saying, I don't know how common it is for people to go to the movie theater <laughs> exclusively to make out. Making out in a movie theater? What are you, 12? Talk about something else. <laughs> God. So, I'm not even going to make a transition for you. Talk about something else. <laughs> Eddie, let me put a pin in one thought in this little discussion, and that's the making out in the theater part. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> we'll just throw that, just put that back, and then keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron, you've been spending too much time with automatic. Yeah, totally. Like automatics, like I don't want to keep driving up to make out point. Cameron's I'm like, well, not let's go to the movie. Another movie theater with you. That's sneak, me into, sneak me into the drive-in back row. Bing. <laughs> Just take me to the drive-in. All right, all right. What, what were you going to say? What was the point of this? So, so I read a couple reviews of what the experience is like, and I'll be honest, it doesn't sound like much fun. One person went to the movie, uh, that, that, that tornado movie that was into the storm that was recently out. Oh, they real. said they got soaking wet and 
you know, they, they were Wait. shaking and the lightning was very disorienting. You got soaking wet? Well, I feel like the purest in me, I remember, you know, um, I think, Jesse, you had a slice ages ago about the um, the device that goes along with your book and mimics the yeah. emotions that you would feel right. while you're reading. Do you remember that? Yeah. And yeah. we had like this conversation about like, wait, hold the phone. If a book's going to do what a book is supposed to do, you shouldn't need electronics to make you feel things. And I feel like to a certain extent, the same is true about a film, right? Like mm -hmm. your job as a filmmaker is to make me feel like I'm in the middle of a tornado. Yes. And if somebody has to stand in an aisle and throw like a bucket of water on me, you're not doing your job to the full extent that you could. Like that's some of the magic of it. I don't know. Is that you get to feel those things without the actual, like, no, I'm not actually soaking wet right now. But have you well, been to the Muppets 4D experience at Disney's Hollywood Studios? Is it pretty cool? You, you're sitting in a theater, you're watching this 3D movie, and then when, you know, Fozzie the Bear squirts the, the lapel flower at you, you get squirted in the face. And I'm telling you, it's a neat little yeah, surprise. Yeah, but that, that's an amusement park ride. <laughs> like, I, I don't, like, like, part of me is... Part of going to a movie is, you know, it's escapism. Right, making and it's out, like if I wanted, No, but oh. if I, it's not, but if I wanted to be in that world, I would just go see that world. Well, like, let me ask you this, Eddie, real quick. And, and you too, Sean. Do you feel like something, like where do you draw the line? No, and I'm not totally opposed to it either. There is a part of me that I, I do, I think it's just, you have to think of it as a different thing. And I think it's also interesting to think creatively. So imagine you're a filmmaker, you've put everything you have into creating this particular thing. A lot depends on how this theater adds those 4D elements, right? Like it could be amazing or it could be absolutely horrible, but it's, it's, there, there's a, there's a creative control thing that again, it could be magic or it could be really, really just lame and terrible. Um, but I think, I think it'd be fun to experience. I think, I think it's a fun idea. Uh, but I think it it, ha it makes me ask about what a filmmaker would think about that. I think, though, it's interesting because it starts to bring in a different genre. Like, I, I think that, like, the idea of, like, there was television and there was movies and radio. Like, it's a whole new thing, which is we're moving towards just being in that place, right? Like, it's it's not the idea of going to see a movie. It's go and be on Mount Everest and we're going to do everything we can. There's going to be a screen or like a 360 and 40 and everything happening. Like, I think it's just creating a whole new medium. Like, so for me, seeing a movie remains a different thing because I basically just want to go hide away, let my imagination do a lot of the work and drink my little soda. Yeah. You know? And from what I've read, like I said, some of the reviews have been mixed depending on the taste of the reviewer and how much they exaggerate the experience. But the company from South Korea that's developed the technology is, you know, this isn't some just like cheesy gimmick. Like they've put, you know, this is their whole business model is creating right. the, the experience as cool as possible. So, Cameron, would you, let's, okay, have you seen the trailer for Interstellar, the Christopher Nolan movie with Matthew McConaughey that's coming out? No, I, I haven't been to the movies in a long time. The trailer's on YouTube, but that's beside the point. Let's say you and Derek Webb are hanging out in Nashville. All right, me and, my, me and my one friend. You and your best friend, Derek Webb. You and your one friend in that entire city Yeah, uh, are hanging out in Nashville, and you have the option of going to see a Christopher Nolan space movie, uh, for, and, and you pay like 12 bucks to go for the regular experience, or you pay 22 and do the 40X. Would you pay the 22 bucks? I think I definitely would. Yeah, I don't. I don't no, I wouldn't. I mean, it would have to be like mind blowing and friend after friend after friend after friend after friend saying, you have to see this. You yeah. know what I mean? Then I maybe would. But like, would I be one of the first ones? Nah, never.
this is a, it's a different thing, but it, it just gets into the idea of different ways to experience film. Um, Aaron and I were just in San Francisco for our wedding anniversary and um, we went to a restaurant called Foreign Cinema. And the deal is um, the, it, it's in like a, like the back of a city, a city building in like kind of a terrace area. And they've painted the, the building behind them all white. So it makes a screen and they project uh, for one month, they play the same foreign movie every night at dusk. And then at your seat, they have the old drive-in movie speakers. So you can listen to it or not as you get your dinner. I think it's such a fun way to think about just watching films in different ways. It was really, it was really cool. That is cool. All right. What do you have, Eddie? Well, you know, I've been really up on the app beat lately. A couple weeks ago, I brought a story about a mom mom who made an app. And I... Right, just a mom. Yeah, geez, right, Shauna. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. I was building an app. <laughs> just a oh, mom app. I'm super busy building an app. <laughs> um, so a a new app has been built that uh, it's called Somebody, and it kind of started off as a PR stunt, but it's 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 gaining some traction a little bit. Um, and I think I love the idea. Here's what it is. Um, it's a so- social messaging app, uh, kind of with a twist. All right, so instead of just letting you send a message to someone, somebody, the app, finds a person in the nearby vicinity of the person you're trying to contact, and it asks them to walk over to that person and deliver the bad news or the message in person. So, like, okay, so let's say- We lost the baby. God almighty, Cameron, new example. A (laughs) A lot of your things today have to do with death. Yeah, yeah. Do a new, do a new example. I feel like Cameron needs a hug. I'm gonna send a somebody message to Eddie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Could you please stand up and give our pal just a little snuggle? That's exactly. What is going it, on? It could, you could have said it could have been like, I think I left the garage door open. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or let's let's just go with your uh, fire. Bring a sweater. It's cold today. Okay, so you're fired. Let's say, all right, you're fired from the podcast, right? That's what has to be told to me. All right. So Chad is the producer of the show. He decides that my uh, where are they now? update was terrible and nobody liked it right and it probably got edited out so you guys don't even know what I'm talking no, about. No he made the jingle he's gonna see that through. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, spent, yeah. We're gonna get Dauber next week so we're gonna hang <laughs> yeah. on till then. Spend 22 least. hours on a jingle um, so anyway so Chad needs to tell me that but he doesn't want to do it. So he uses this app, and it basically sources another person that's in my area to come over and tell me the app, <laughs> to tell me the news. So in theory, I'm sitting at, you know, let's say the Ethos hits a vegan restaurant. I'm having myself a vegan entree. And if someone comes up to you and go, hey, listen, I got bad news for you. Right. You're eating at a vegan restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to break this to you. There's no meat on this menu. I don't know what you're going to order. Everything is soy. It's all soy. <laughs> it all gives you cancer. Stop worrying about it. You're going to have the worst gas ever. <laughs> Anyhow, Nothing so tastes like meat you here. can even add, you can even add to the message that's being delivered. You can even add stage directions like crying or whispering. Um, and uh, you can then... If somebody who comes up, I don't know, whispers at yeah, me? Right. So, so I'm yeah. sitting there at the restaurant and somebody can come up and yeah yeah it's exactly they just whisper in my ear and then they hug you this is like a nightmare i have nightmares where stuff like this happens right (laughs) it's terrifying yeah camera's sitting there you're drinking a cup of coffee and some complete stranger comes up to you shakes your goes, hey how's it going bro he whispers in your your childhood home just burned down (laughs) that's 
That's it. That's the app. <laughs> All right. See you later. So That's the exactly. Theory is it's better to receive bad news from a total stranger <laughs> right. than via text message from a person with whom you have a long term relationship. That's, I that's be, the idea. You know, it'd be even more awkward if that person went and sat like just down like a, a couple tables across from you and just started carrying on his conversation with his buddy after right. he delivered the news. Yeah, I think of it. I think it's great maybe for breaking up. I, but in a way that's totally oh, cowardly, but <laughs> yeah. but still kind of like a little bit. I don't know. Well, you can't break up in text anyhow. Like or that is Arrested not. Development and the movie Her both surrogacy. Went to this, yeah, surrogacy just yeah. kind of yeah. went to this territory. Yeah. So and there's a person. There's a personality type that loves to deliver bad news. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's like a tiny little weirdo group of people who are like, ooh, yeah, <laughs> let me be the teller all the time. Like, don't you know those people who are like. Oh, I gotta tell you something. You know how you know them? It's wait till somebody famous dies and then watch your Facebook, and they're just like, you know, R.I.P. Michael Jackson. And you're like, uh, we the whole planet knows he just died. You don't have to share it with us. <laughs> <laughs> like we oh, know. Thank you for breaking that news. Yeah, it's like say something about the news that we all know, but yeah. don't try right. to pretend like we're hearing it from you. Yeah, and also, if you're going to do that, be consistent with your news delivery. Because if I'm going to start coming to you for the news, I need updates. I want to know how the market has been today. Where did we close at? I need if to I know. can unfollow CNN to right. keep you in my news feed, I'm going to need you to be responsible. So, so, Eddie, you feel like you know someone who would just walk up to a, would get a notification on their app, would walk up to a stranger and be like, hey, listen, man, uh, hey, Rick wanted me to just let you know, it looks like bird flu is back. So, all right, catch thanks. you later. And then, as a part of the app, you can then rate that person. It's like an Uber rating system. So <laughs> there are people that will apparently build a profile for being better at delivering uh, uh, bad news. You can have them deliver any news, but it's mostly used for bad news. I don't know that this can really catch on, but I also think it would be... I, I think it'd be one thing to receive it. I think to be that person would be a nightmare. Like, giver. Like, yeah, have you ever had to, I mean, you've had to fire somebody before in yeah. your time here. I've had to fire somebody. It's the worst. It's the worst. You like stay up for like two days beforehand yeah, and you're like sick and you go horrible. in and try to be confident yeah. and it's the worst thing to ever have to do. To do that just because your phone beeps, mine wouldn't work. It's iOS just, only. Just, you do that because your phone beeps and you happen to be a sociopath that signed up to be a part of the <laughs> service. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Point. That's a really good point. Like they probably get some sick thrill. Like, right. oh, great. So-and-so's grandmother just died. Yeah. Hey, I hate to tell you something. Sniffle, sniffle. Your grandma died. Like, and I, then they just go home. I had like, somebody do that. I mean, it was a person I knew. It was my girlfriend. But I was taking a nap at her parents' house in college. And they just came. Just got back from the movies. And they came. <laughs> and she sat on the edge of the couch. And the mother was standing in the edge of the room. And she said, I, I, she had to wake me up and say, your, your grandfather just passed away. And it was like nice to hear it from somebody that you know cared. Listen, wasn't a total stranger that yeah, got here. Right. <laughs> somebody total I knew. stranger wakes you out of a dead sleep. Yeah. <laughs> Bad scenario. Yeah, there's, there's a stranger knocking at my door in the middle of the night. It would be awful. And then he just would be awful. To you. This is the worst idea ever. <laughs> we got to try it though. <laughs> Jesse, there's gonna, like it's an amazing hidden camera idea though, right? Like, yeah, yeah. don't you want to follow that person around to give bad news 15 times and see what happens? I kind of do. <laughs> hey, Jesse, there's gonna be a knock at your door pretty soon you're it's you're not gonna know them but we know what they have to say Your grandfather died dick van dyke is no longer <laughs> with us hey uh what do you have Sean? one of the van dyke brothers <laughs> <laughs> what that's it that's all i can tell you sorry please rate oh, my listen, please oh, rate my here, performance it also says that uh, your parakeet died see you later peace so imagine that you are a famous movie star 
and you have just played a role that requires you to get in the best shape of your life. You're extremely fit, uh, very nutritious, lots of um, running. I don't know. You're in incredible shape. And then <laughs> very nutritious, lots of running. That's <laughs> how you do it. Clearly, It's not my forte, but um, I feel like you were just saying healthy words that were unrelated. <laughs> kale. <laughs> and then kale, cardio. I don't know. Um, Granola, hiking, muscles. <laughs> so anyway. It's <laughs> board association game. The, the production schedules get kind of screwed up. And Ibo. <laughs> you, get, you get the role of your life. But you have to gain a lot of weight really fast, like really, really fast. Done. Super fast. I'm down. Sweet. <laughs> what one food do you choose to eat eight of these a day? Entire pizza. Now, wait, I need to ask you a clarifying question. Is it something that I know would work in fattening me up or is it just something that I could handle oh, eight times a day? experimenting. I'm going to have to leave it open to you. It is something that we have spoken of before. On this show, guacamole. For me, that's, that's good no. fat. For me, eight yeah, times. but like too much of it, right? I mean, eating eight entire large pizzas in a day would make you fat. Yeah. I don't think I could do as much as I want to believe that I could eat eight large pizzas. I don't think I could. I would probably say like Dairy Queen blizzards or something. Cheesecakes. Definitely eat eight of those. Eight Chipotle burritos. Oh, yeah, those are packed. so. J Jason Siegel. Yeah. In order to gain weight for his next role, eight. Eight hot pockets every day. Nice. I was yeah. going to say, I've done that for many years and <laughs> had very few negative health consequences. So, eight Seagull. You know, it's funny because you think eight a day, they're kind of little, but then you're like, actually, imagine microwaving and eating two of those for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then just tacking on another two somewhere in that. That is. Disgusting. disgusting. Plus, you know he's eating like the pepperoni and cheese ones or whatever Jesse has in his freezer. Like, he's eating. It's terrible. He ate eight. two Hot Pockets every three hours all day long, which is eight a day for three weeks. And how, how that much weight? That sound that bad. Actually, I mean, they they have, I pulled it up. <laughs> it's called college for they me. They have about 300 <laughs> calories each. So eight times three. Nobody, oh. nobody can do that math on this show. Really? That'd be 240. <laughs> yeah. Well, so 2,400 calories. calories. Yeah. That's, that's not yeah. that much. That's and not that much. For a guy his size. to the rest of his diet? Because that's barely. I think it must be. I think he was eating a lot. Yeah. And then in addition, okay. that was his like secret, like in order to really bump things up. An I'm extra 2,400 two calories. Pockets every three hours. Of yeah. all cheese and, you know. That can't be good on your body. That would, I, I have no desire to, to ever be like an actor or like a celebrity, but if, if, just for the sole reason that I would have an excuse for my job to professionally have to eat terrible, I, I would want to go into that field. Just be like, oh, listen, I, you know, I got to have six more milkshakes and, and a burrito day. Ah, it's, it's a work thing. You know, just to have that excuse would be amazing. So uh, a Hot Pocket is about, like I said, 300 calories, uh, which, you know, on a 2,000 calorie diet is, you know, not that bad. One hot pocket is twenty five percent of your daily percent uh, uh, of uh, saturated fat. Oh, and that's thirty two percent of sodium in one hot pocket. Oh, that's oh. what it is. So there you go. He's got the sodium and the saturated yeah. fat. He's doubling his full daily intake with just the hot pocket. Gracious. <laughs> yeah, it's like the perfect. There's got to be worse stuff yes. than hot pockets, though, right? Like bagel bites. They've got to be worse for oh, you man. than hot pockets. Oh, there's no way. A whole <laughs> tray of bagel bites. That's oh, not oh, a that's bad easy. dinner, That's not hard to do either. No, no, no. Hard. I'm not saying they're not delicious and amazing. I'm just saying 
like, but I don't know how to do an equivalent well, I, oh, bagel whoa, bite to hot whoa, pocket. Whoa. Shauna, you're a really little good tiny. Cook. How do we do this? Those little tiny bagel bites. <laughs> Here you go. One little tiny bagel bite. Yeah, fifty calories. Oh, nailed it! How and, one and, bagel bite and twenty percent of your daily sodium in one little tiny bagel. Twenty percent of your sodium in a bagel bite. And no one has ever eaten just one. No, I you eat a tray like of sixteen. If I'm gonna do it, I'll throw it into the toaster. <laughs> right, you got a job to do. Yeah. I can easily eat a dozen in one sitting. Oh, like no absolutely. problem. So, <laughs> holy moly, fifty calories. Two dozen. Okay, so let's say you do twelve. That's six hundred calories. That's, I mean, that's a big meal. Yeah, but... But it's also like, you know, four times your entire day's worth of sodium intake. It's 410 milligrams of sodium in one little tiny... Oh. That's 4,920 grams of sodium. That's a nearly lethal even... amount of sodium in, in two dozen bagel bites. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I misread. Oh. I misread. Uh, a serving of four pieces is 200 calories, so that's where I got the 50 calories. Oh, okay. But the four pieces is 20% of your daily. And four hundred. So it's uh, what five percent. But if you think day. of how little food that Sorry. is, you're eating four pieces just as you're kind of prepping your drink and getting over yeah. to the sofa. Yeah. You just popped them in like popcorn on the way to the couch. Right. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Twenty. A fifth of you're what you're supposed to. You're not even counting it as a snack. A fifth of the salt you're supposed to eat in a whole day of keeping yourself the alive. Gone. <laughs> to get a snack. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's just that's a pre-snack right there. Yeah. That's, that's just a primer. A, that's just it gets up lining on the stomach. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm gonna eat some pretty spicy salsa here. I just. I just want a base coat. Is what that is. When you eat four a whole hot, four bagel bites, is just a base coat. When you when you do that, when you eat a whole tray of it, your automatic just logs itself out and sends itself to another person. <laughs> you're like, we're never. You get a knock at the door and yeah. it's like, hey, listen, I don't know how to tell you this. But... You just ate four times the daily sodium, and you're probably going to die soon. Anyway, talk to you later. Yeah, your, just... au- your automatic sends you yeah. an actual person to tell you yeah. you're From not going to make it. Automatic got that app. Yeah. Sends the surrogate to the house says you're gonna die and I'm going have to- you guys ever had to do that have you ever had to do that thing where you write down every single thing you eat in a day i did this like you know wellness and pilates thing so i was supposed to like keep track of every bite i ate all day long and yeah. i did it i'm supposed to send it to her and i was like i can't even i can't even share this with another living human like yeah. looking at it all like uh-oh, because it was stuff like that, like like the pre-snack. Right. Like the, you know, stuff where you're like, when you have to actually write that stuff down, you're like, oh, right. everything makes sense now. You're like, yeah, I, yeah. I, made a, I ate a half a sandwich while I was making a sandwich. <laughs> kind of my pre-sandwich. Like, what, <laughs> now, I can't remember. Did I eat two sleeves of cookie? Or it could have just been one. Yeah. It, it, there's no way to know at this point. You, know, like you start writing down the quantities. Yeah, you're like, bag of chips. Nope. Not the single kind. Just yeah. one. One bag of chips. On uh, King of Queens, uh, Jesse, I know you're a fan. Remember that oh, episode where Doug uh, was trying to lose weight? And he would, he he say, he finally confessed that he would swing through Burger King and get a Whopper on the way home to dinner. <laughs> Every day he would Jason go and get a Whopper. Yeah, on the way home. So he could have a normal sized dinner, but he always had an extra Whopper. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for Slices. Uh, stay tuned. Up next... Radio Lab. You're listening to Interpol. The song is All the Rage Back Home. 
Our feature interview this week is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. They have a special offer for relevant podcast listeners. You can get a free trial and 10% off. You can go to squarespace.com and enter the offer code RELEVANT at checkout. Squarespace is an awesome service. Uh, You can build your own website super fast, simple and easy, uh, beautiful design, drag and drop content, and great support. Plans start at just eight bucks a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. Offer code RELEVANT. You get 10% off your order. It's pretty great. Squarespace is awesome. Squarespace is fantastic. I see a lot of very legitimate like authors, pastors, people using Squarespace sites and for sure. Like they've got people running their stuff and they're choosing to use Squarespace, which I think is I, cool. I observed a friend uh, who's who's a web marketing guru uh, and he said on Twitter the other day he's like, "Yep, and I'm done with whatever the other platform was and I'm moving all my sites to Squarespace." Wow. That's yeah. Legit. Yeah. It's a great service and it's fantastic design. I mean, and it's easy. And Non-designers can do it. Yeah. That's the thing. And designers can play with it enough to yeah. actually Oh, you can customize every pixel. That's what's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it's really easy good. and robust. It's great. That which is what people describe me as. Easy and robust. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that fits the visual. Um, that's that, the uh, joke. <laughs> Radio Lab is WNYC's Peabody award-winning program. I think ours is in the mail. Uh, that <laughs> examines big questions in science, philosophy, and the human experience through compelling storytelling. It's a show about curiosity, where sound illuminates ideas and the boundaries blur between science, philosophy, and human experience. Uh, it first aired in 2005, and it's become the number two most popular podcast in the iTunes store just behind, oh, I don't know, a little show called This American Life. Its podcasts are downloaded over 4 million times each month, and the program is carried on 437 stations across the U.S. Ira Glass from This American Life even said, I marvel at Radiolab when I hear it. I feel jealous. He obviously hasn't heard the relevant podcast yet. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I marvel. I feel jealous. <laughs> <laughs> good. That was good. Uh, Act one. <laughs> you're going to hear about the new issue of Relevant in the next segment, but uh, part of the uh, issue has this great think piece looking at the tension between science and faith. And Jesse wrote it. And as part of that piece, he interviewed the Radio Lab guys. Yeah. Uh, I first encountered Radio Lab uh, during their first season, just kind of listening to NPR in a sense, become a st- I get excited every time they put out a new episode. Um, and so when we had start put, started putting the idea for this piece together, myself, Cameron, and uh, uh, Tyler and the team for ideas, you know, one of the things that they constantly explore on that show, Jad Abumrad and Robert Krolwich, who host and produce it, uh, are the intersections of uh, of science and faith and philosophy, and they come at it from such a, a, a unique angle, especially um, you know in the modern context of science, where there seems to be some hostility between hard-edged, observable science and uh, what can't be measured with empirical data. And it's always it's it's always fun to hear their show. So I was super excited to do the interview, but be even more excited uh, during the conversation because of how thoughtful they were and just their ideas about. A science-based philosophy and, and how to create a show that's so compelling. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic, and the piece is great too. And the guys in this interview uh, and in the magazine uh, said some very surprising things about their own views mm. on faith. Like I was flat out shocked uh, to find out that they. 
Well, anyway, you're about to experience it for yourself. Talking to our very own Jesse Carey, here is Jad Abumrad and Robert Krolwich of Radiolab. The shows seem to look through the lens of humanity. It's using people's stories to communicate these bigger ideas. How, how do you how do you guys arrive at not just the the topics that you want to cover, but the stories that are going to put that sort of uh, humanity and, and mystery to them? I think I think almost all the stories probably have that quality. I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't think you have to go looking hard for puzzlement or for. Uh, yeah, it's like you get the, the, I always think of it less in terms of a set of ingredients and more in terms of a, a sensation. Like literally like the, vis, the visceral reaction that you have to encountering some new idea. Sometimes you, you encounter an idea and it just kind of makes you, you feel your weight go up and your chest expand. And there's something about, there's something expansive on a physical sensation level about that idea and and it makes you bigger and there's some things that uh you you hear them and they they make you kind of you feel your weight drop kind of more toward your 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 hips and that is something that feels more about like kind of deflating and grounding i don't know and that there are the story the stories we pursue somehow have this weird they, they kind of spook you they give you this feeling of bigness and you can't, you roll them around in your head and you spend weeks thinking about them and you think about them one way and you think about them the other way. And every time you do arrive at a feeling, they argue you out of that feeling and into some other feeling. Uh, and so more and more, I feel like the stories that we go to are genuine expressions of some complexity that we want to make sense of that is actually probably beyond us. I mean, the stories I'm most proud of are the ones where I'll... I, we're never going to get to an answer here, but you can't just throw your hands up and say, oh, it's all relative, that, that feels like a cop-out. So you really try, but there's something irreducible about it. And uh, that's just a feeling that you have, you know, just a feeling that you an unresolved feeling. I used to, like, as early in my career, I used to, like, feel those feelings and be like, ah, I need to find, I need to make this feeling go away. That used to be the purpose of the reporting was to somehow like resolve it, and now actually the the the, the reporting operates in the exact opposite mode. It's about holding that feeling. It's about not prematurely just making it go away. It's about kind of figuring out a way to hold the tension so it's just right. And so now the, those stories we go for it gives you that feeling right off the bat. We think, oh, do we have one? And then we go after it. And sometimes they they fall away because the answer does actually end up being simple. And you don't do those stories. You know? I mean, in moments of personal um, faith, like, you know, this has nothing to do with religion. This is like where you feel maybe you're actually having a conversation with an entity. You know, and people who, who've had these things, they're very, they're very lucky, and they really aren't open to argument exactly because in the moment they feel so amazing. But then... You go to bed, and you go for a jog, and then you have lunch, and then a couple of weeks pass, and then you begin to wonder, as amazing as that experience was, you wonder, well, did I 
Did that happen because I projected it, because I needed it, because I wanted it, or did that actually happen? And I never, so the, the business of trying to have a relationship, a mystical relationship, I find is like ping pong. I mean, some days I think I have it, and then other days I don't know if I have it. And, I, and then I want it to happen again, so that, you know, like often happens with people that they say, okay, if you really, really are there, then hit that mole over there with a lightning bolt. And you wait, and you go, come on, come on, do it for me. And then nothing happens. And then you think, well, that was dumb. I guess you didn't want to do it that. But you know, mostly you think, like, well, what about the time when the mole was hit by the lightning? Like, is that real? Or did I just want it so badly that I couldn't imagine myself without it? So uh, I, I find that even in faith, even, even when you choose... To believe that you believe, you're not sure that you really believe what you think you believe. <laughs> but if you really are think serious, serious about this stuff, it is hard, mm -hmm. and it's um, it occupies you very similarly to the way the scientists are occupied. Is this is this pattern that I've found? Is it real? It seems real. It's happened the last eight thousand seven hundred and fifty-five times I've I've done it. But if somebody should come up on the next time and it doesn't work, then I'll have to understand why or throw it all out. It's the same idea. So I think there is a, there is a very strong, this is not with religiously powerful people, like you know, necessarily popes or grand rabbis or mullahs or those people, but just really people who just in their lives have decided to go all the way in on this subject. Mm -hmm. I don't think you. I don't think you ever solved it either. Yeah. I mean, maybe Chesterton did. This guy you like, because I read a lot of his things, and he really he became a Roman Catholic with a with a exclamation point. Like he yeah. really embraced it. But I don't know. I read him and I think, of, wow, because I, mean, I find him really interesting to read, and I don't know how he got there so powerfully. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not a Chesterton expert, but but you know he was one of those guys that embraced the mystery, where he talks about the difference between poets and mathematicians. Where mathematicians are the ones that end up in insane asylums because ans the answers they're looking for are ultimately not knowable. But poets, you know, he had there's an analogy of mathematicians will try to build a bridge to the infinite, where poets are content to swim in the sea. And it seems like that's that seems to be the appeal of Radiolab is and to. I think what you guys have have seemed to tap into is that th that things are able to stay unresolved, and I think that's part of what uh, is such a is so appealing to religious listeners as well. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I find that uh, in the in the course of doing a story, Robert and I have a kind of weird intuition where we will, like, if you take that basic tension between the poet and the mathematician, you know, or you could, you could put any nouns on either side of that. Um, we tend to somehow, in the course of a story, organically, without really any pretense, assume opposite points on that tension, because we know that the thing we're working toward is somehow both. Mm -hmm. Both of these things which can feel ex mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. and so there'll be a story where I'll be the believer in some way. And Robert will kind of position himself in opposition and say, and he's going to be the sort of hard-nosed skeptic. Almost recreationally. Yeah. Because like, yeah, I, I feel him getting strong, so I'd say, oh, 
and I just like to punch him out just to see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> you're only really strong when you're being punched, I think. And your poetry has to be as precise as your math in a yeah. weird way. So, like, there's, uh, I find that somehow this, this tension that you just sort of outlined uh, exists between us as well as inside each of us individually. Uh, and so the, the radio lab as an expression of that tension, I think, is something that, that grows out of our the places that you and I choose to stand on any given at any given moment. It's between that in some sense. Although I, I, if, if there's a if there's a poetry in this project in Radio Lab, it comes. This is sort of uncanny, and this is when I feel the best, and sometimes feel the loneliest when it isn't there. Which is at some point when we're working on something. The, you have to, it has to end, like you have to put it on the air. And in lots of collaborations, one of the hardest things is to finish. You know, because if you don't agree, if, if Gilbert doesn't agree with Sullivan that, the, that they finish the job, then they can't put on the play. So, uh, weirdly, over and over and over and over again, sometimes starting from very different premises, sometimes starting from enthusiasm and, and irritated, aggravated, three-year-old refusal to get excited, <laughs> we end up, once we commit to something, we end up strangely over and over again agreeing on this is beautiful enough. It's never absolutely beautiful, but the ability to say we're done is a mysterious, mysterious uh-huh. gift. Yeah. And like, it happens you know, it, it's happened pretty much for a decade, and it's funny. Like I don't, I can't think of a situation where we've we've agreed to disagree. I mean, I don't think we we end up always somehow working very hard to solve the differences. So, so, so there's never been a time where, where because that dynamic and that tension is evident on episodes, and that's part of what makes them so interesting. Uh, where, where one side is more interested in sort of. The mystical and one is a bit more of a, a skeptic. There's never been a time where it's been unresolvable. Uh, well, it doesn't have to be resolvable. What we have to do is what we're actually resolving is not the question in front of us. It's whether we've done it with grace. Yeah, that's the question. No, no, we're not giving anybody answers to anything. I don't think. Uh. <laughs> but what we are doing is we're saying this is the very best we can do with all of our hearts and all of our minds on this question. And all we have to agree on is that, is this the best we can do? That's all. Right. That's just a new idea of grace. I think that that actually really applies. I don't know that I know what that means in a religious context, but there is something that happens when, we, when we're really struggling with something. I mean, there are stories that we go through uh, 20 drafts on. Mm. And there are stories where he and I have very different opinions on something and we're pushing and pulling and we have a lot of other people involved in the process now who are pulling us in one direction or another. But there is something that you get to at the end where you feel like you're not just resolving the piece, but you are somehow moving yourself into some new state. Yeah. It isn't a resolution. It really isn't. Um, but maybe grace is the word in, the, in an expanded sense. I don't know. Well, it's grace in the sense of graceful. Like you don't, right. you don't want to stumble to the end. You want to say, "Here I land." Not here I stand, because you really don't know where you stand. But here I land right. for now, because of the deadline. We have to put this on tomorrow morning at you know the twelve noon or something. And so, uh, and grace, not just graceful, but grace in the sense that um, 
you're trying for a kind of shared beauty. Not just between us, but I kind of think the, the confidence comes from thinking if Jed, like we just went through something this week where it was over the weekend, I was looking at it, I was saying, oh, this is, you know, this is way out of whack. Here's what I think that might, we might do. And then other people threw in there two and five and 20 cents and so on. And then I listened to, the, to Jed's pulling it together and graceful is a word that would describe what had, what had happened. Like it had found, you know, it was, we would continue to amend it, but it had found a balance. And the, the beginning belonged to the middle, which belonged to the end, and all the sides were talking to each other, and it had a flow. So when I say grace, I, it, it's, it's just maybe a code word for beauty, partly, and for also not being fumbly and awkward. It's yeah. not being ugly. I guess the opposite. Yeah. It's being beautiful, which means not being ugly. That's all. Yeah. And I think of it also in terms of the interior life of Radiolab is is very uh, difficult sometimes. The stories are hard for us. They're not easy. I mean, you want to make them kind of just sort of dance out of the radio or in, out of the earbuds in a way that feels as if they just sort of dance their way into the world, but there's so much stress involved in trying to get them get them there. So I think about grace in that respect, too, like that you are willing to live in the, in the crappy, unresolved midpoint of, of the tension uh, uh, and just kind of live there a little bit longer until, until it works. It always feels a little mysterious when it works. Mm. I think you know, the association that comes to mind is uh, Kierkegaard, had, had, who, is, who had a lot of his own struggles with, with his Christianity. He had this reading of the, um, the Abraham story, um, where you know, he goes up and God tells him to do this thing to his son, and he's stuck. He doesn't want to disobey God, because um, that would be an offense to his faith. He doesn't want to kill his son because that would be an offense to his family and him, all his instincts. Well, it was a promise anyway. Yeah. God said to me, I'm going to make you in the multitudes. And he said, wait a second, I'm only putting aside my other son. I have this son. Yeah. And I'm going to, I don't want to kill him. How, how am I going to, how, no, that's not fair. Right. So, so in, in Kierkegaard's reading of it, he reads it as like, Abraham is stuck and he decides for a long period not to choose and he sits between the two the two choices that are available to him and it's the fact that he sits there long enough that he is offered a third a third outlet which is grace it's the state of grace and so I love that idea that somehow if you sit between things and you compose yourself that the tension resolves not into an answer, but into some new state, new phase change. Mm -hmm. And uh, somehow our process with every story seems to mirror that in some very, very lesser sense. And also when we encounter ideas that have a sort of a tension between science and religion, I'm always looking for that kind of resolution. Yeah. Not, because I feel like if you give in to any of the polls, you are somehow losing. I feel like you can't give in to that. I feel like there's some, the, the game is in somehow organizing the network that where all the nodes are active at once. A lot of the stories blends what we would maybe think of as the supernatural with the natural. There's, there's the ability that Radiolab has to 
tear down that wall between the natural and the supernatural when it comes to uh, you know some of the topics that you've been able to cover? You know, we're not trying to prove or disprove God. We're not trying to validate or invalidate science. We're somehow just looking at mysteries which are intoxicating to us and trying to drink them in. Yeah, we just use the best tools we can find, wherever they may lie. So this idea that it's like a wedding and there's, a, there's the bride's side and the groom's side, somehow it just it feels like a, a construction that is, uh, that is imposed upon, upon things. And that's, like it literally doesn't occur to us. But it seems to occur to the audience a lot. The audience gets really mad. And we say to the audience, too bad. <laughs> well, I, mean, I remember that thing you did with a, with a, with a it was about Abraham, actually. Yeah, it? it was. You did that thing about Abraham, and I was like, I remember hearing that being like, well, this is really interesting. Like, you were really thinking into it, and you were like, you were thinking about, uh, you were thinking about ideas in physics, and you were thinking about sort of like a textual analysis, and you were just going deep with it. And I was like, well, this is interesting. He's going deep with this text. And obviously you have some sense that, like, it's going to piss off some people. But the roar that came back, I was yeah, like, it was really what? Loud. What is, really? I didn't feel like this was, in, this was not intended to offend anybody. It's just, like, there are, you encounter things and you, you think about them. And you think about them as deeply as you can. And what, what could be angering about that? You know, so there's, there's a way. It was a very large list. We don't do that. We don't mention Abraham and Isaac in the science program, how it was often. So first of all, we're not exactly a science program. And second of all, there is no such rule. We <laughs> mention whatever is useful. Right. Whatever, like in this case, we were trying to figure out what, why do terrible things happen to good people. Isaac is really pretty much an innocent, and, um, and then he's put in this very difficult situation. And that is how humankind has, you know, that is not a science question. Science can't tell you why terrible things happen to good people or why good things happen to terrible people. It's just not a science question. But it is a question that people have talked about endlessly in stories. So, you know, Aesop talked about it when, you know, some turtle wants to, to I forget, it was a spider and a turtle. and. The, the turtle says to the spider, I'll take you across the river if you promise not to sting me. And, cause I, and he says, okay. And then he gets on his fingers and he says, why did you do this? Because I'm a spider. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it's like there's a lot of that. But I, those seem to me to be perfectly useful ways to discuss that those kinds of questions. And mm-hmm. for the audience to tell us how we're supposed to do, examine a question, I don't think so. So, yeah, I mean, the idea that we are somehow a union of religion and science isn't exactly right. Um, I think we're somehow just, we're somehow... We'll, we'll, we take, we're, it's a, we're multi-pleasured. We'll take it wherever it lies. <laughs> we're promiscuous. Yes, promiscuous. <laughs> we're slut. <laughs> <laughs> That was Radiolab. Make sure to check out more of that interview and the new issue of Relevant. You're listening to Banks. The song is Begging for Thread. 
I guess if you're a seamstress and you ran out, that would make sense. How else would you get any? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like you're a little short on money, or or your car broke down, like right. automatic hasn't diagnosed. And yet. Joanne's is closed. Right. It's a Sunday night. It's after five. You gotta finish. You gotta this finish the garment. Your chambray shirt has a little bit of a tear. Mm-hmm. You, you, it's gotta Sunday night. Over to Hobby Lobby. You gotta wear, yeah, but it's closed. It's Sunday night, and you gotta wear it on Monday morning. You're, I, you're begging for thread. I think that's what Banksy intended when he wrote this. Or Banks, <laughs> whatever his name is. So this new issue, how about this? Whatever. The, new issue, the new issue of Relevant is out now. The September October issue just came out, and it is a fun one. If you like culture stuff, it's got stuff. If you like thinking about stuff, it's got stuff. If you like spiritual substance, it's got stuff. The cover is, uh, well, centering our fall TV coverage, mm-hmm. anchoring it, is one of the most iconic television characters of our day. One of the greatest. One of the greatest character actors, uh, Nick Offerman, otherwise known as Ron Swanson. Nick Offerman is on the cover of Relevant. He's also it's a fantastic picture. Too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, t- Nick is fascinating. <laughs> he said in his book some actually some. Uh, compelling, if not controversial, things about faith and the Bible. Uh, He's in a new movie. Other than this being the final uh, season of Parks and Rec, which we talked to him about, uh, he's in a new movie called Believe Me, and it's um, kind of a Christian movie, which is interesting. He plays a small role in it. Uh, That's coming out later this month. We're going to talk to those filmmakers. But he talks a lot about, like, kind of like the anti-Hollywood life that he leads. And he really is a guy who values a lot of the things Ron Swanson values. It's actually fascinating. And uh, yeah, he, he has the, the, the self-reliant values that you, you, the, the interesting thing is, you know, he doesn't have those values for fashion reasons. Like he, that's generally his life ethos. Uh, but it's interesting to read them in, through the context of people that do follow cultural trends, because there is like an artisan movement. There is like a hunger for those type of uh, handmade craftsmanship uh, you know, fueled products, and a lot of the things that he says in the interview uh, uh, put voice to that whole value system. Absolutely, and it and out of this article, uh, we also look at what we very boldly proclaim to be the golden age of television that we're currently in. I was watching Fallon a few weeks ago, and Halle Berry was on it, and huge movie star, and she was on a new show coming out. And it was very, uh, Steven Spielberg was one of the producers, and it's this big cinematic TV series. And she was talking about the, and you know, Fallon was saying, like, it's crazy. Like, you're a movie actor. And she's going, uh, the best writing right now is on TV. This is bar none. If you want to be pushed, you want to dive into TV right now if you're an actress and, and, and not, you know, movies aren't where it's at anymore. Uh, flipping the page, we also talked to uh, Lecrae, who we mentioned earlier, has a new album coming out right now called Anomaly. Uh, we talked to him about kind of the rise of fame and the access that's given him to celebrities and the challenges that he's faced uh, kind of being Lecrae and straddling both the kind of the Christian world, ministry world, and also, you know, being respected as a huge selling hip hop artist uh, just in general. He's legitimately one of the biggest hip hop artists working right now. Yeah. It, it, across both, you know, I don't even call them genres, but across both audience spheres of, you know, people that buy 
primarily Christian music and mainstream hip hop. He's he's respected and well listened to in, in both areas. Uh, some of the culture stuff uh, we talked to OK Go, uh, groundbreaking, innovative visual artists who also happen to make music. They have a new album out and also another groundbreaking video. Here's a clip. Who better to talk about, you know, creativity and innovation and continuing to push themselves as artists? Actually, it was a statement in the OK Go interview that grabbed me in this issue. It actually wrote my opening column about about something that they said. Um, it's a it's a great conversation. We had a piece uh, that we were talking about earlier with Radio Lab called we called the God Particle, and it was it was you know why can't science and faith get along? There you know we talked to a lot of people about where the breakdown is. We talked to a lot of scientists who are believers and wrestle with how can you know Christians thoughtfully engage the science world uh, and it not be the thing that you have to pick and choose like to to believe. Uh, in, in the Bible, or believe in science, but can we um, can we kind of have a foot in both worlds? You know, especially you know th- this piece was in the written and published before the whole Gunger flap over statements about creationism. But I think it shows that um, you know within evangelical culture there are a lot of people debating this issue still. Uh, in, in particularly in American evangelicalism, and, and you know, I was really grateful to people that were willing to to talk to us, uh, and we tried to represent fairly the different sides of the debate, but also kind of show where the middle ground is, and and hopefully allow uh, readers to come away with uh, the ability to make sort of a inf- more informed. Uh, uh, opinion about what they think. Well, it's the sort of thing that like it feels like people put battle lines in the conversation, almost like in politics. You know, it's like I, I am all on this side and none on that side, and I feel like the the you know faith and science camps do the same thing, and and they don't have a dialogue, and there's no thoughtful engagement of uh, people who see the world differently than you. And this article tries to start to bridge that gap. There, there's one. There's a quote from a guy that we talked about. Um, uh, he's Father Andrew Pinsent, who is like this Catholic priest at Oxford and oversees like their science and religion departments. But he's also a particle physicist and worked on that particle accelerator and uh, at CERN. You know this this brilliant dude. And he he mentioned something about how a lot of these issues uh, are, are things that the church has been dealing with for a long time and referencing minds of great subtlety. Um, you know, like Augustine, who've been wrestling with ideas about science and God uh, for hundreds of years. So it's a, it, it, you know, hopefully it has that that historical context too that we can look back at and and see where we fall culturally. Absolutely. Uh, we also talked to one of the bands that kind of broke out at Lollapalooza, London Grammar. They're huge right now. Here's Cliff. Uh, Slices has a ton of uh, amazing stuff, you know, Bible movies, race problems, uh, five apps that are actually creating real-life connections, the transportation revolution, some really interesting, crazy stuff being developed. A lot of really interesting Slices, uh, stuff in Slices. Um, 
we we have relevant recommends, uh, both music and movies, books and digital media that you absolutely should know about. Uh, we have your feedback in the issue. Um, Reject Apathy covers a couple of big issues. How the church can help fix the broken foster care system. Yeah. Um, it's such a domestic issue that nobody's talking about, and the church can absolutely make a difference in that area. It's eye-opening. Um, and then we also examine the stats on gun violence without commentary. Here's just here's some stats on gun violence. Uh, yeah. Draw the conclusions that you will. Um, uh, maker, uh, the rise of the artisan entrepreneur. We look at that trend. I mean, that it's not a new thing of our generation, you know, wanting to create substantive quality things with our hands. Um, and 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 so there's a lot of brands like Shinola and Volk and others that are that are kind of reinventing uh, American craftsmanship. And uh, we talked to several of the artisans that are leading that movement in Maker. We also talked to the guys who founded Harry's and talk about um, a for-profit business model of giving back. Uh, Harry's, Warby Parker, Tom's. These are companies that are out there like others, um, you know, creating a profit, but built into the values of the corporation is the ethos to give back as well as creating a high quality product and, and a good experience for the customers. So we talked to those guys. We talked to Blake McCoskey from Tom's, uh, the, the founders of Harry's. It's it's a it's a great piece. Makers quickly becoming my one of my favorite parts of the whole magazine experience. Yeah, I agree. It's I mean it's it's rethink. It's people who are out in front. You know, it's people who yeah. are rethinking the model a little bit and trying new things. And uh, it, no matter what field you're in, whether you're a student or you're in business or you're in creative field or you're in ministry, whatever it is, to, to listen to other innovators and entrepreneurs and, and learn from them, learn from their mistakes and kind of, it challenges you to kind of see your world from a different perspective. And that's why we love uh, telling these maker stories. Uh, and we'll wrap it with uh, some of the drop artists. One of my favorites that we uh, spotlight is an album that I've been listening to a lot last week, especially is St. Paul and the Broken Bones. Good. It's so good. And to see the picture in the magazine, the novelty in the iPad edition, to see the video, they don't look like what you think. And the cool thing <laughs> is he kind of kind of looks like Eddie a little bit. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I literally thought the exact same thing. You know, I saw I you know looking through cops and stuff, but looking through it just now, the magazine, I'm like, holy cow, that guy looks just like Eddie. <laughs> so uh, yeah, imagine Eddie singing like that, and that's pretty awesome. Um, and dude grew up in the church singing singing gospel yeah. and stuff, and uh, now he's doing Saint Paul and the Broken Bones. It's really cool. Uh, we we talked to uh, Colony House, a new band that I also have a eye opening nugget about. Here here they are, Colony House. Yeah, huge buzz band. Uh, they're out of Nashville. But here's the thing, and you will not be able to unsee it once I tell you this. When you see their picture, uh, lead singer, son of Stephen Curtis Chapman. Yep. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and now look at the picture. 
as well as can't not see as it. well as the drummer too i think yeah the brothers they're brothers yeah, yeah. a couple of brothers yeah yeah, yeah. um so that's <laughs> colony house they're in uh the drop there's other great artists like first aid kid ellie holcomb others that we spotlight and we sat down with uh, a veteran we always like to send that one page uh spend that one page talking to somebody on the ipad it's really cool because the q a that we have with this artist uh in the drop you you read the question. It's written right there on the tablet page, and you can press the button and hear the answer. You can hear the artists actually answering the questions, which is a really cool interactive thing. This issue, we sat down with David Crowder, uh, talked to him about his new music, his new era, and uh, here's a clip of his new song. It's a it's a packed issue. It really is. It's it's it was so fun to put together. I love having Nick Offerman on the cover. I love that the we had substantive discussions about science and faith, and uh, the the talk with Francis Chan was great. Um, music selection is great. It's a really fun issue. If you haven't seen it on the tablet experience, you really need to go check it out. And right now, if you want to get it. It's on newsstands nationwide, but um, you can also subscribe. We're doing an end-of-summer sale for just a few more days. If you go over to relevantmagazine.com, you can subscribe for the whole year for only $10, and you get full access to the uh, tablet editions right away. You'll get six uh, print issues sent to you, and you'll get four exclusive subscriber albums that Chad creates. So it's a great deal. It's only 10 bucks for a very limited time. We'd love the support, and I think you'll like the magazine. The new issue of Relevance out now. Nick Offerman, go get it. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. Listening to Coves, the song is Cast a Shadow from the album Soft Friday. All right, it's time for your feedback uh, and also some corrections and apologies. Apparently last week we actually really did have one. Uh, during feedback, um, a correction, not an apology. I don't apologize for this. Uh, during, during feedback, Joy Egrich, who's not here to stand trial, uh, confused Rescue Rangers with the Rescuers. Rescue Rangers is Ch 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 Chip and Dale. Yeah. yeah. And she was referring to the Rescuers or the Rescuers Down Under, the Disney animated uh, movie with Bernard the Mouse and others. So we apologize. Oh, no, we don't. And apologize. thank you. No, no, no. You, thank you for the 83 of you who have corrected us about that. I don't. So far this week. We I'm, really... not a, that, I'm not apologizing for that. <laughs> That was, I mean, come on. Professional podcasting is hard business. Sometimes we say the wrong thing. (laughs) (laughs) Your soundboard just brings us one step closer to being like a zoo morning show with that soundboard. Hey, everybody, the copter. (laughs) (laughs) Last time we asked you, what uh, TGIF era show would you like to see come back? Uh, and what modern twist would you put on it? It was because of the news that apparently there's a Full House remake, you know, and obviously uh, Boy Meets World came back with Girl Meets World, and now there's Full House might be in motion. And uh, we wanted to know what TJF era show would you like to come see come back, and what modern twist would you 
put on it. You guys went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com and posted replies there. You hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast and you posted on our Facebook page. Here's a few of our favorites. Sean Flanagan, I don't it's brought up one that I, I don't even remember. And like I said, I, I kind of pride myself in, in knowing some of these weird old sitcoms. Does anyone remember the short-lived TGIF show Teen Angel? No. Hold on. Was, no, yeah, the guy did a song for it, right? Uh, no, well, ma- no. maybe someone else did a song, but this individual, he gave a description of the show, <laughs> which I can't even believe this was real, even by absurd 90s. Mm. Uh, uh, sitcom standards. It was about a teenage boy who found an old burger under his bed, ate it, and died, and then came back as an angel to hang out with his friends at school. No. What a terrible... Eddie, we're going to need you to do some of your weird celebrity (laughs) research to find out if this is truly, in fact, the plot of Teen Angel. Wow. That is Uh, terrible. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. (laughs) It is true, and it was the network debut of Matthew McConaughey. No way. He was Teen Angel? Yes. This is all lies. Okay, we're about to go down a weird rabbit hole here and just abandon feedback. <laughs> this is, this I'm, I'm, I'm moments away this is from not, just start Googling this so we can talk about no, it. No, this is all lies. You know what? I'm doing it. We're, we're done. <laughs> the, it, the series was created by Simpsons writer and producer Al Jean and Mike Rice. This is like... Yeah. The re- you say, yeah, like you knew. You thought Matthew McConaughey was on it. You no, don't know what's is, going on. Yes, keep reading. Uh, Teen Angel follows a high school boy, Steve, and his recently deceased best friend, Marty, who dies, from, who dies from, no, there's literally Matthew McConaughey is nowhere in Wikipedia. <laughs> if you want to edit Wikipedia, then it can be fact. And he, <laughs> probably should. But yeah, dude, dies from eating a six-month-old hamburger under Steve's bed on a dare, and then is sent back to Earth as Steve's guardian angel. That there's is- There's a full episode on YouTube, which I'm considering just- Playing in its entirety for everyone. Hey, you know who the angel is? It's Doogie Howser's uh, best buddy, the Italian guy who yeah. was in Sopranos yeah. later. Hey, yeah. that guy. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I don't even think so. this one needs a modern twist. Uh, just bring it, it back. It, if they would just bring it back in its in its original form, I would definitely watch it. Though uh, the modern twist, he said, instead of being <laughs> instead of dying from eating an old burger, he could die from drinking a non FDA approved Vietnamese energy drink and come back <laughs> as some sporty or buff ang- buff angel. Uh, but for reasons that seem unclear in his uh, description here, again, I would totally watch this show even with that twist. A lot of people said they'd like to see Full House brought back, which is what we talked about on the show. <laughs> so uh, we'll skip all of those. <laughs> like, oh, I got to see Full House. We, yeah, we know. I, we did this. Uh, uh, Michael posted on the relevant uh, the podcast feedback page that he, he would bring back Family Matters, and it has a relevant podcast twist to it. Steve Urkel would uh, can now switch between himself and his himself and his alternate personality that you may remember Stefan Urkel <laughs> classic <laughs> and the latter would become a member of the relevant podcast he was pretty suave and if he was if Stefan Urkel was a real dude I hope he would be a part of this podcast I loved the audience noise when Stefan Urkel would walk into the room and he'd be like <laughs> <laughs> it was so stupid. Like, at what point did the writers of the show be like, you know, we need to take this on an absurd sci-fi twist. Uh, Carl Winslow in this new one has retired from the police force and has devoted his life to making uh, gluten-free artisan donuts in his shop, which has become a trendy cultural destination in Chicago to his great bewilderment and frustrations uh, because all of the hipsters now basically <laughs> dress like Urkel did. <laughs> Carl Winslow is a public speaker. 
and in fact, Shauna's arch rival, since she's always stealing Shauna's best bits, throwing candy at her audiences, sitting on dressers for photo shoots, and recording her lunch discussions at Italian restaurants. Wow, that was deep. I, I'm still, I'm trying to read these, but all I'm thinking about is Teen Angel and like the pitch I... meeting for that. Hey guys, we got just been workshopping a real good idea. Uh, you know what the teens are really into? Yeah. The afterlife. And and yeah. So here's how how, do, how does he die, Eddie? How does he die in a comical way that's not a tragedy? Teen death. Glad you asked. Teens love hamburgers, so we'll just have him eat an old hamburger that it's inexplicably underneath his bed, uh, and it'll kill him. Right? Because that's what teens I do. I love it. All right. Greenlit. I, Eddie, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to write you a check right now mm-hmm. from ABC Studios, and I'm going to leave the amount blank. Yeah. You just, and just hand it to you. I'm going to start writing zeros. You tell me when to stop. <laughs> and I don't want to hear stop anytime soon, because I love this idea. We got a big hit on our hands. Really fun working with you guys. I got this. I have this young actor's name. I can't pronounce it. Makana something. <laughs> Makana who? Hey. Some impossible to spell name. Sign him up. All right, all right. <laughs> I like it. All right, that'll do it for last week's feedback. You can uh, join in the conversation uh, at the episode page. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Well, Labor Day is in the rearview mirror, which means the unofficial end of summer. Which in Florida means we can continue swimming for three more months. Uh, if not four or five or 12 never really have to stop it swimming. is 96 degrees inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so for the rest of you it's the unofficial end of summer kids are back in school people back in college uh people who are normal adults have to work still have to work and we want to know what was kind of the craziest thing that happened to your summer funny story mix up did a weird stranger come whisper bad news in your ear? You know, just what's the craziest thing that happened to you right. this summer? Did you try to make out in a movie theater and all of a sudden the seat started jerking all over the place? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't realize you you paid $22. <laughs> You're just trying to put your arm around the girl. And then you sprained your shoulder. You got dislocated shoulder. You had a busy summer, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, that, that was a lesson learned. <laughs> you had a really crazy summer. appropriately in a movie theater. Your, your $22 was well spent because it's a life lesson. Yeah. I'll make everyone else uncomfortable. <laughs> people are trying to enjoy a 40X experience, not a bunch of... Not a bunch of kids making out in the yeah. middle of tornado land or whatever it is. Kids. Oh, so we want to know your you get a room. Hey, last time I checked, Cameron's got a spot in front of his house that's open. Yeah. Why, don't you, why don't you and your automatic go get a room? Oh. I'm trying to enjoy Need for Speed here. So we want to know your craziest story. Uh, head over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. Post there. And, and, I, the- and I will say, just uh, as, as you think about this, when we were thinking about this question, Cameron explicitly said, well, we, we don't want to hear anything about like, oh, I got married or had a baby. Right. Yeah. Nobody cares about that. Yeah. Except for, I mean, we do care. We're happy for you. But you. we're going crazy. We want crazy or funny stories, right. not like, it was the best summer ever because You're like, we okay. went to Nantucket and then I got proposed to. Sat on my yeah. couch like, and watched we, a few seasons of Breaking Bad. Yeah, oh, I'm Tyler. We know, Tyler. You got married. Congratulations. <laughs> Who cares? Enjoy Charleston. Uh, Quit tweeting at us, <laughs> Tyler. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, head over to the episode page or uh, you can tweet us at Relevant Podcast or you can post on the Relevant Podcast Facebook page. Many thanks to Radio Lab for talking to us. You can check out their show uh, everywhere. And, and should, really. You, it's, yeah, it's among, fantastic. if not the best, yeah. radio. Oh, it's phenomenal. Best produced. 
Yeah, best it's edited. Like this American Life best Radio written. Lab re- love, relevant podcast. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, yeah. You've got uh, trying to learn French. How to learn French? How to <laughs> learn French? Yeah. Did they um? Did they talk about how much they like our show? <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't get around to that, unfortunately. I, I I think it was just an unspoken thing. Yeah, you know, just mutual admiration between the three of us. Yeah. Do you guys uh, when, at the end of your interview? Did you like ask for prayer requests and go around the room and do like uh, do that kind of stuff, <laughs> like a uh, popcorn prayer? No, I no. guess. Well, <laughs> I you're not. I, I just said I have uh, an unspoken and two unspoken praises. <laughs> I always thought that was weird. I think we've talked about this before. If it's a praise, just say it. Right. Like, you can, I get like not wanting to like not wanting to talk to your friend that's next to you that's like clearly, clearly about to be in a breakup and you're trying to do an unspoken for that person. But unspoken praise, it's like, why isn't it great news? I got a dog. And, and, My dog and, and doesn't have cancer. Concept, like, because I wasn't always like involved in like youth group or whatever or, or those settings. Well, so when I first started going, I was like, well, why? If it's unspoken, why are you even saying? Maybe unspoken? because why they're uns- sit there? Maybe they're unspoken. From a three weeks ago, was they unspoken? I think I have a tumor. Praise report, unspoken. It turned out to not be they a tumor. They just don't speak it. Just you know. But they're just, but they're I excited. Like, I feel. I just feel like the con- the unspoken concept's weird. That's all. Yeah, I feel like God's just got it at that point. Like you know, when do you say unspoken. unspoken, you're speaking. Newsflash. Yeah, unspoken would just be they come to you and you just. And then that you're done, and that's it. They were like, "Well, he didn't speak." Anyone else? I would just look at them, maybe blink or something. Right, just do a long, intense stare. Or you have the surrogate come up and whisper the problem in the ear, and you're like, "Well, technically, the pastor only." Clearly, yeah. they haven't spoken. Yeah, I didn't speak it, but my app helped me out there. Yeah. I got it. And then when the surrogate's walking up to tell the pastor, I'll go, "Don't worry, it's a praise, but it's going the surrogate route." Yeah. <laughs> Praise, re- praise report. Fluffy, Fluffy, my golden retriever does not have cancer anymore. He's pulled through. Praise report. But my cat does still have leukemia because that's you inevitable for all cats. Can't get rid of it. That's why we're organizing a 5K. Yep. Uh, so, what was the question? I think it was something about DC Talk. Oh, no. Thanks to Radio Lab. <laughs> Tune into their show. Check it oh. out. It's pretty great. Uh, and also, if you want to get the new issue of Relevance available everywhere, if you have a tablet, not a phone, if you have a tablet, you and a computer tablet, just to be clear. Not a yellow legal pad or a stone. Not not a stone. Yeah, correct. If you have a tablet that has apps on it, I'm just saving you work. Go over to the uh, you can go over to the iTunes uh, App Store or you can go mm. to Google Play and get the new issue there. And if you subscribe right now, we are wrapping up our limited time sale. It's only ten dollars for the entire year. Uh, you can get relevant. You get all the issues, print, digital. You get four albums throughout the year, and it's only ten bucks. You can get it at relevantmagazine.com. On that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffold. I'm Chad Michael Snavely. I'm Jesse Carey. For Sean and Equist, we'll see you next week. Toby Mac, and the Mac is back, no slack. On a DC track that's jacked. Beyond comprehension, I believe that I failed to mention that. There's a lack of recognition when it comes to his position. Because if Christ can't be crossed over, then I'll keep my beat up Nova. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast. Check us out on Facebook and get bonus material from this episode at the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check out the magazine. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. Back in place. And I'm all up in your face with a rhyme that I embrace.
Like a bullet to a child. Granola hiking muscles.